Hi, and welcome to episode 58 of Walk to Work. Uh, getting to the last days of summer in Edinburgh. I think it was summer for the past three days, but probably tomorrow it will start raining and being cold again. Uh, high of 29 degrees this afternoon. Uh, I know all of you anywhere further south are like, <laughs> you don't know what summer is. Um, but that, that summer over here, uh, and we've been quite enjoying it. Um, so today, continuing on uh, the topic of cultural appropriation. So, uh, if you've got in the background, um, uh, dude on the internet decided to double down on cultural appropriation is not a thing, uh, and it's wrong for people to suggest that the thing that I did was cultural appropriation. Um, you can listen to past episodes if you want more about that because uh, this is like episode four in this uh, series. Uh, and what it got me thinking about was uh, a bunch of uh, kind of myths or poorly thought out through uh, arguments that people use to attack cultural appropriation. And this idea that cultural appropriation, like any kind of well thought through concept, uh, builds on... Um, uh, a kind of stack of cards of um, assumptions and beliefs uh, and it's very easy to poke at one of them and knock the whole thing over but if you haven't actually successfully poked at the thing you can feel like you've knocked the whole thing over but you haven't actually and so it's not so much a, a stack of cards as a well-constructed house and someone who thinks that they can just poke at one of the bricks and knock it over as easy as a card um, is probably wrong. So past uh, episodes covered uh, the idea that cultural appropriation, that the, the concept of cultural appropriation is a way to prevent X people from doing Y. So saying only black people should Lindy Hop. Uh, that's not it. Um, people feel like they're very thoughts are being attacked and therefore that there's a thought police and that uh, therefore clearly seeing as there's a thought police then uh, they're wrong. That's not it either. Uh, people feel like uh, um, people of colour, uh, people facing racial oppression are playing a victimisation card which not only um, is a sort of cheating but is also um, not the way to change racial injustice. Uh, that's not it either. Um, we talked about the uh, French context of uh, communautarisme. Um, we talked about the idea of uh, whether you choose to be offended. Of course you don't choose. Um, we talked about how cultural appropriation and cultural enrichment are different. Uh, we talked about, I have a black friend, and they say it's okay, that, that's not enough. Um, and we talked about, uh, a little bit about what a non-black person can say to other non-black people about cultural appropriation of uh, black uh, art forms. Um, and so my claim is, uh, I definitely don't want to speak instead of black people. Uh, but there's certain things that I can do, uh, ways that I can use my voice without being traumatized to um, 
relay what black people have been saying. Um, and so I'm going to relay something to, some things today uh, that kind of all fit under a theme with this uh, and it kind of flows from um, this one black person says it's okay or this one person of colour says it's okay. And there the, the, the person in question, uh, going back to the original uh, internet discussion, was like, um, I spent many years in Japan. Um, maybe he has, I'm not quite sure what the, the context of that was, uh, but basically he was saying uh, he likes to wear kimonos uh, and he's pretty sure that his Japanese friends are fine for him to wear kimonos. Are we claiming that uh, we know better than his Japanese friends and that he shouldn't wear kimonos? Uh, and there's something really important there is to understand, and this is also related to what happened uh, with Xenia uh, and the wearing of uh, cornrows or tress, um, is that um, some people of colour refer this to uh, as uh, source lander versus expat. So someone who comes uh, from uh, Japan is steeped uh, in Japanese culture and doesn't particularly face racial oppression in their own country uh, or racial injustice in their own country. Um, they're going to have a very different view on uh, how white people can use um, Japanese cultural uh, elements um, and how uh, they perceive it. Uh, they might perceive it as great that a white person is open to this, especially maybe a white person who spends some time in Japan uh, is, is curious uh, and comes uh, with this sense of, of curiosity and interest. Um, uh, and they're like, it's great. But the experience of especially Japanese Americans with the, the context of, uh, of Japan uh, is really different. Like the whole history um, of uh, Japanese Americans uh, is a really um, complex one and a really uh, uh, steeped uh, in um, violence and injustice. Uh, so uh, the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II, uh, the disruption to families, the disruption to livelihoods was uh, unwarranted um, uh, and has repercussions through uh, till today. And then uh, the way that Japanese culture is perceived uh, in America is uh, full of uh, cultural appropriation, the way that um, uh, you do kind of sushi fusion uh, is um, a denying of uh, Japanese roots, the way that uh, uh, Japanese cuisine in general is treated uh, the way that Japanese clothes uh, are treated as uh, a costume, the way uh, that Japanese and other Asians are treated as model minorities and how that uh, really affects them. And this is something that you also get, uh, I assume to an extent, uh, in Europe. I haven't discussed extensively uh, this topic with uh, any uh, Japanese or other Asian or other kind of model minority status uh, people in uh, in Europe or the UK, the UK, but it's probably going to be similar. And so the the point to think from that is 
um, just because if you go to Senegal and someone is like, yes, I will totally do, or even offers like, hey, I would love to do cornrows for you. You have to know where you're going with those cornrows. Um, you cannot go to America with those cornrows without coming across as a jerk. You cannot go to a Lindy Hop event with those cornrows without coming across as a jerk. Um, and this is, um, yeah, the, the, this, this is basic uh, racial injustice sensitivity. Like, you have to know that racial injustice exists in the world. You have to know how racial injustice um, gets perpetrated in your uh, country and in your community. And so you have to be able to, you have to be literate uh, in, in, in this. And so understanding this uh, source lander expat uh, difference is, is part of that literacy. Um, Next, uh, there was kind of complaints. Uh, this was a, a tap dancer who did this, and he's like, you Lindy Hoppers, you do a black dance, uh, and you're complaining to me about cultural appropriation. What a bunch of hypocrites. Where do you get off? Um, and so this, all these address a, a wider problem I'm, just going, I'm going to get to in a second, which is what are we actually trying to achieve when we discuss cultural appropriation? Um, but the, the idea that Lindy Hopper's um, get off scot-free is, is completely, um, is, is one that seems easy to, to argue because you're like, well, nobody's complaining about how Lindy Hopper is cultural appropriative in general. But the, the, the flip side of that is um, that... Uh, that, pe that people are having to work hard in Lindy Hop communities to reduce uh, the harm that they cause or that they potentially cause. Um, and it's not as simple as, well, we do Lindy Hop, it's fine. Everybody does Lindy Hop. We've all got together, we've agreed, yes, white people can do Lindy Hop when we're done. Um, Although that might be the attitude that certain people uh, project, and so from that I could kind of understand uh, the, the perception of, of being a hypocrite. Uh, but um, I don't think that the, the, the question that's useful to ask is, is this cultural appropriative or not? If it is, we definitely should not do it. And if it isn't, we're fine. Um, and so one of the reasons for that is because it's not, it's not black and white. Um, it's not binary. Yes, that's the one. Um, and the, the other reason for this, uh, which I, I guess is the, uh, the one that uh, I want to get to today, uh, or want to finish with today, is it's not about us. So... A lot of people I a uh, lot of people I talk to, no, 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 me, starting with me, um, ever since I learned about the concept of cultural appropriation, I was like, okay, I do blues, I do Lindy Hop, I do other things, how can I do these things, and it's okay, how can I find someone to give me their blessing, 
uh, can I find a blues dancer? He's like, yeah, Greg, your blues dancing is great, very bluesy. You now have my blessing to blues dance. Um, or, yes, Greg, the way that you talk about black American history in, uh, and black culture in your uh, blues classes is great. Uh, continue teaching like that. Don't worry about a thing. Um, yeah, and uh, the, 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 the center of that was my, is my desire to be able to do my thing that I like uh, and not have to worry about it. Um, and that's very much putting me at the center of what does it look like for me not to culturally appropriate? How can I know that I'm not culturally appropriating? Um, and that, that does two things. So one is it, it focuses the question on me and my permission to do a thing and centers uh, me or more widely uh, centers white people uh, within this conversation. Um, and it, it kind of ignores and forgets what the issue is. The, the issue is not for someone to be able to be morally righteous and say, I am on the right side of history in this. I am not culturally appropriating. Or I am, not on, I am on the right side of history on this. I am calling out the cultural appropriators. Uh, there's a couple of my friends in particular... Uh, who tend to do this? I am specifically calling. I am specifically talking about you guys here. Uh, you will know yourselves if you hear it. Well, I hope you will. Um, it, it's it's important to call out cultural appropriation uh, and to label it, but just labeling it or just distancing yourself from it. Um, has, has a limited result. It's very, again, centering yourself on you. You're like, I distanced myself from it. I criticized it. I did not condone it in any way. Um, but uh, your community that you distance yourself from has an impact. Uh, you had an opportunity to influence your community. Uh, and instead, you uh, distance yourself from it and say, yeah. I tried, uh, they wouldn't listen. From here on out, uh, it's not my problem. Um, and I'm just going to badmouth these people. Um, like, no. Um, I'm sure there's maybe a point where you have to do that. Um, like, just in the sense that you, you have to uh, sort of protect um, your own sanity and if people are going to not change um, then you kind of assume they're going to not change um, and maybe you can't do that but if you're in or close to a community so one of the examples for this would be in the British uh, modern jive community there's a thing that they call blues dancing um, that I don't really know much about um, it's not dance to blues music and it is not uh, blues dancing but that's what it's called it's basically a slow version of jive and jive is kind of open position freestyle dancing yeah I'm not really sure maybe I should stop talking about things I'm not really sure about but basically uh, there's maybe 3,000 people in the UK who do this uh, blues there's competitions of it uh, there's a little bit of crossover. There's some people who have a foot in both camps. Uh, and there's uh, 
a strong attempt by some people who have their foot in both camps to um, bring more traditional blues to uh, the modern blues scene. And we kind of had that with when we discussed fusion. It's like, can we call it alt blues and blues or alt blues and trad blues? And we're like, probably not. Like, what we're calling alt blues is actually not blues, and what we're calling trad blues is actually blues, so we should call a spade a spade and go with it. But anyway, you have these 2,000 people that I don't, or 5,000 or 10,000, I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know any of these people. Uh, I've never been to any of their events. Um, and so, although I want to change things, I have to understand that there's an inertia of community of people who know each other that I really can't uh, influence. On the other hand, there's like uh, the European Lindy Hop scene, which I mostly don't travel for Lindy Hop. I mean, no, I don't travel for Lindy Hop. So I don't really know uh, the uh, European Lindy Hop scene, but I do feel that they're kind of close. And so I do feel that I can't just say, eh, uh, this is terrible, it's always been terrible, it's always going to continue to be terrible. Uh, I think I have my uh, an influencing role that I have to um, take on here uh, and, and go with. Um, long digression, yes. So anyway, um, instead of centering ourselves and being like, how can I make it so that uh, a person um, says to me, you did good you're doing good and you did your best where you could have influence therefore uh, i um condone wait which way does condone is condone good or bad i can't remember uh, i i support your actions i say your actions good um you are morally righteous you're a good person well done uh, instead of seeking that um Instead of seeking that, instead of looking for that correctness, instead of be, trying to, to, to do the right thing, I mean, to be the person who did the right thing, you have to actually do the right thing. You have to look at impact, uh, and you have to look at the ways that cultural appropriation has impact. Uh, some of the impacts it has, I've, I've discussed them at length, uh, it has this impact on our ability to live in a multicultural society. If we don't understand cultural appropriation, if we don't understand how to be racially literate, we can't live in multicultural societies without causing harm to people who are racially oppressed. Um, if we want to create a community and claim that it's inclusive, we have to know in what ways the community of white dancing that we create is going to be perceived as not inclusive uh, to black people and we have to um, figure out how to change it so that our community does become more inclusive to black people and we have to recognize that oh I did my best uh, I'm open and inclusive to everybody is not enough we have to do outreach uh, we have to uh, we have to not kind of play the diversity card and be like, I have three women instructors and two black instructors at my event. Go me. I have solved cultural appropriation within Lindy Hop. Like, no, if you've not made your scene welcoming to black people, you have not solved cultural appropriation. And yeah, no one's saying it's easy. Like, it's really hard. Um, in the States, lots of black people, zero interest in Lindy Hop. But same by the same token like look at uh the the results of hella black lindy hop i think it was 
um, performance uh, at, um, oh, what was it called? International Swing Dance uh, Championships. Yes, uh, in Houston. Uh, so that was co-located, that was a black urban dance um, uh, event um, co-located with a Lindy Hop event. And the black Lindy Hoppers went and performed for the black urban dancers, uh, urban social dance. Um, um, and they killed it. Uh, so there was just so much enthusiasm for people doing uh, Lindy Hop within the black community and for seeing black people uh, doing Lindy Hop. And so maybe the lack of interest by uh, the black community in the States for Lindy Hop is not, eh, we're not interested in Lindy Hop anymore. It's just, eh, we're not interested in a bunch of white people doing our stuff. Uh, and it's, it's, it's definitely going to be more complex than that. But whatever the actual thing is, it is um, more complex than that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you're accused of cultural appropriation or when you're within uh, a community uh, that is accused of cultural appropriation and this discussion about cultural appropriation comes on, look for, uh, in yourself for a start, the places where you're like, how can I be one of the people who did good? Um, and recognize that uh, just doing good uh, I mean, doing good is important, but um, working it out so that you did good, working it out so that you could uh, figure what I do is okay and now I can stop thinking about it so hard. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, you want to enjoy your hobbies. You don't want to have to think about cultural appropriation 24-7. But the goal is also not to get uh, signed off on your behavior and then you're good, you can behave how you behave without having to check yourself. You have to check yourself the whole time and figure like, what is the impact of what I'm doing? How much more impact could I have? And you have to balance that out with, with your mental health, with your energy levels, with what makes dancing fun for you. You have to balance it out with uh, being yourself and living your life. Um, but you also don't get to center yourself and just figure, eh, uh, so long as I'm doing it right, uh, and when a black person comes, I'll be like, yes, there's only one person on this dance floor doing it right. It's you. That's not something you should be aiming for. Enough for me. I'll see you next time. Until then, take care.